0: I want to welcome all of you at all of our campuses, along with the men and women at the New Orleans Justice Center and the St. Tammany Parish Jail, and all of you online and at Facebook Live. Why don't you put your hands together and just show each other some love this morning. (laughs) Great to be with all of you. I am so excited to be with you as we wrap up this series, The Advocate. We've been talking for the last several weeks about Jesus' statement to the disciples just hours before uh, he was led away into well, to his crucifixion when he said, it's better. He said, I'm going away, and it's better that I go. Now, that by itself probably rattled some cages, uh, if you can imagine, in the lives of the disciples. And uh, so we've been unpacking that statement. Really, what did Jesus mean when he said, it's better that I go? He went on to describe that the comforter would come, a helper, one who would teach and come alongside and be not just with. He said, the one who's coming will be with you, but he also will be in you. And and we've been unpacking that statement uh, over the last several weeks. And and again, it's great to be with you. Uh, Especially, I love this time of the year because, you know, where most people are kind of slowing down and kind of thinking about relaxing, Church of the King, we kind of ramp things up. You know, we're heading into the summer uh, full force. Our new small groups uh, semester is launching this weekend at all the campuses. I wanna encourage you, if you're not already in a small group, don't unplug because it's the summertime. In fact, the summertime is a great place to just continue to grow, uh, to get plugged in, to, to make some strides in your relationship with the Lord and in your grow in your faith. Uh, our, our freedom groups and financial peace, all those groups are happening. So please make sure you stop by today and uh, get signed up for a small group, as well as all our camps, all the things going on for our young people, the teenagers and, the, and grade school students starting that happen right as school gets out here in the next couple of weeks. So make sure you get involved. But we are studying this, this, this phrase of Jesus really unpacking the relationship between the Holy Spirit and the life of each believer, each child of God, and what Jesus actually meant. What were the, what were the, the, the implications of Jesus' statement it's better that I go. Pastor Steve talked about in the beginning how the Holy Spirit comes and he's, he's around us, he's with us, and he's moving in our lives to draw us to himself, to, to reveal God's love to us and draw us into a relationship with him. And then when we're born again, the Bible says that he comes and lives inside of us. He, he goes from being with us to being in us. And then last week, uh, we talked about how he empowers us. He comes upon us and empowers us for service to other people and to glorify God, and so it's been a it's been a great few weeks, and I'm excited to wrap this up with you uh, today with a very very practical message. I'm going to be talking to you about living a naturally supernatural life uh, in a message that I've entitled "The Spirit Led Life." As we wrap up this series today, you know I have a confession to make, and uh, this may come as a shock to some of you. I was not always a Christian. In fact, um, you might say, and I have to be delicate this morning because like Pastor Randy mentioned, my mom's here. Uh, I, was a, I was a rascal. I was uh, not a good person. In fact, we, we you, know, I, you know, on the scale, I, I was down there. I, I was a, a little bit of a womanizer and, a, and, and struggled with alcoholism. And there was, there was a lot of things going on in my life as a young soldier, uh, late teens and early 20s, as I, as I struggled to just kind of find my way in life. And, uh, and, and things just were not going well. I, I, I grew up in a very godly home, a Christian home. My father and my mother were in ministry, my dad was a pastor, and I grew up in a, in a family that loved the Lord and loved each other, and, uh, and so the truth was around me my whole life, but the lights never came on. How many of you guys can relate to that? And so I know there's a lot of people in that same scenario. But for me, uh, I kind of had this vision of my life that really was just about having fun, filling my own needs, doing the things I wanted to do. I remember I had a conversation, uh, a thought process with myself as I was wrapping up high school. I was like, I'm sick of people telling me what to do. I'll show them I'm gonna join the army. (laughs) Well, that went about as well as could be expected. And if you let your mind run wild, your imagination run wild, you can imagine as a single soldier stationed in Germany in the, in the 80s, I kind of just did whatever I wanted to do. And there was a lot of stuff happening. My life just began to kind of unravel and fall apart. And in the middle of that moment, where I realized that the wheels were coming off and things were not going the way I'd planned, uh, I had an encounter one day. I walked into the mail room, the post office on our base, where I was stationed on the Czechoslovakian West German border in the late 80s, uh, and actually this was in 1990, right at the beginning uh, January of 1990. I walked into our post office, and there was a man there that I'd never seen on base before, and we, he, he just exchanged greetings and met each other, introduced ourselves to each other, and I went on about my business. He was a retired, uh, retiree, army retiree, and had come back to Germany to, to, to uh, serve the military community in, in, a, in, a, in a church, and, and uh, just was introducing himself as I walked in, I really didn't think anything about it, and checked my mail. And I was walking out, and he stopped me, and he said, uh, "Hey, do you have a minute?" I said, "Sure." And so he started uh, just—he began to just, you know, talk to me, just to get to know me, ask questions. How long have you been here? What's your MOS? Just, you know, making conversation. And then the conversation turned a little bit, and it was interesting because I—it was—it caught me a little unaware. But he—he he started off by asking questions that really weren't questions. They were more statements in the form of a question. And I'll never forget. He said to me, "He said." He said, um, are your parents in ministry? Now, I'd never met this guy before. I'd never seen him. I'm fi- you know, 5,000 miles away from home. Nobody there knew you know, my, my family or my story. And uh, he said, are your parents in ministry? And I said, yeah, they are. My-. He said, your dad's a pastor, huh? I said, yeah. He said, I bet your mom's praying for you. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I'm sure she is. <laughs> Uh, and he went on to kind of unpack a little bit more, and he, he, he said, uh, he made a couple more statements in the form of a question, then he began to get a little bit more direct, and he, and he started talking about things in my life. Now remember, this is all in the context of just a casual conversation. There wasn't anything weird about it. His voice didn't change, you know, his eyes didn't roll up in the back of his head and start shaking. He just was, we're having a conversation. And he said, he said when you were seven, you had, a, you, you had an experience with the Lord, but It was really just out of form. He said, When you were 14, you had a real near miss with God. When you were 17, you felt called even possibly to ministry, but you've been running from God ever since. And he started defining these, identifying these defining moments in my life that he could never have known. Now, I, I didn't know it at the time, and I wasn't familiar with this, but the, this is a, this was, he was operating what the Bible refers to as a gift of the spirit, and in First Corinthians chapter 12, it's, it's that particular phenomenon was, is, is listed as a word of knowledge. He, God had given him knowledge about my life that he could not have known any other way. Now, why am I telling you this? The reason I'm telling you this is because at, as that conversation unfolded, you know, again, it, it was unusual, but it didn't freak me out. And, and I, I, I say, to say the least, my curiosity was piqued. He gave me his phone number, and the last thing he said was, listen, I hope that you've been okay with our conversation today. He said, I think the Lord just showed me those things because he wants you to know that he loves you and that he's watching you. Your, your life matters to him. And if you want to talk about this some more, just give me a call. So he gave me his number. We spoke one other time. Uh, about a week later, and then a couple weeks after that, uh, on, a, on, a, on February the 15th, 1990, I sat on the edge of my bed and stared out the window in my barracks uh, by myself, and I, and I just prayed a simple prayer. I said, Lord, I wanna know you, but I don't know how. You see, I'd grown up in a Christian home, I'd grown up in church, and I knew all the Sunday school answers and all the right things to say and do, and I knew all the stuff I was supposed to do, but in that moment, I was lost. And I, didn't, I, I just didn't know what my next step was supposed to be. And he had gotten my attention through my conversation, through this demonstration of his love and power through this, this man's life, through this conversation. And, and, uh, and in that moment, I, I heard my life was, was transformed as the love of God came flooding into my soul and I surrendered my heart to Christ. You see, that simple conversation with the man that day in the post office radically changed my life, one person who was willing to live a naturally supernatural, spirit-led life, committed to living the life that God had called him to, changed my life, and you know, in this series, we've been talking about how the spirit of God comes and he becomes a friend to us and a companion to us and a, and a, and a, and a comforter and a teacher and one who comes alongside as a helper in our lives and and often i think that that in our in our christianity we we approach our lives we approach our christianity as some as we did before even we were saved in the sense in this sense and i want you to track me with me for a second the bible says in 1 corinthians uh, chapter, six, chapter 6 or chapter 3 i mean 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we've looked at this verse over the last couple of weeks. Do you not know that you're the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells inside of you or lives in you? That, that, and Pastor Steve's talked about the fact that when we're born again, the Spirit of God comes and he lives inside of us. You know, sometimes we have house guests. We've got a house full of people right now this weekend with uh, Memorial Day and my son's graduation and my, all the things going on, birthdays and things. And, and we have house guests. Now, you know, sometimes house guests kind of just stay out of the way and, you know, they're, and they're just, you know, you, you kind of, they've got their little space and you just kind of avoid. The Holy Spirit is not that kind of house guest. <laughs> When he comes in and lives, the point of him coming in is that we, the life that we're designed, the life that God's designed us for to live as his children is designed to be surrendered to and empowered by the daily moment-by-moment moment presence of the Holy Spirit. We don't, listen, the Christian life is not about becoming a better version of the old us. You with me? It's not about trying to clean up our act and add some things to our list. And it, it, The Holy Spirit doesn't come to make you better. He comes to make you new entirely new. It's a completely different life and nearly unrecognizable to some because it's so radically different. And we're transformed as we learn to live these naturally supernatural lives, surrender to the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He said, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature, not an improved or better creature, a new one, a new creature. The old things have passed away. The old things have passed Away, behold, all new things have come. You know, and, and again, sometimes in our Christianity, in our expression of how we live our, out our faith, we try to just add the new Christian things to the old life. We, we, try to, we try to approach our lives as though we have always lived. We just try to do the best we can and we add all these new Christian things that we're supposed to do and all this new Christian language that we're supposed to use to our old way of living and doing and thinking. And when we really get into trouble or over our heads, we cry out, get on that hotline to Jesus and ask for help. Now, I'm not saying you should not pray when you need help, but what I am, what I am saying and what I do want you to understand today is that our, our this Christian life is, is a completely different life other than what we've experienced before. And as we've been unpacking this conversation about the Holy Spirit over the last several weeks, one of the things that needs to be clear and front and center in our thinking is the Holy Spirit comes to completely change every part and every part. Of, in every area of our lives, every part of who we are, and every part of our lives. I remember a friend of mine, somebody I was really close to, came to know Christ, and uh, he was kind of learning and growing in his faith, and he was new in Christ, and he was learning about prayer. He's learning about conversing with the Holy Spirit in prayer, and really learning to pray, and he, and he, and he started developing this gift of intercession. And and it was clear that God had called him to pray on a deeper level. And sometimes in intercession, you have to address spiritual forces. You have to get after the enemy sometimes uh, in in, in spiritual warfare. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean, you just, you know, there are appropriate moments when that's that's part of, of of our prayer lives, and uh, and I remember being with him in a in a, in a having some, praying together, he and I praying together about some things that were going on in his life, and, and he started addressing the enemy, the devil, in his prayer, and in and, and, and it w- it was, something interesting happened when he started praying and he started addressing the forces of darkness that were coming against him and his family. He slipped into his kind of his old deal, and he starts just cussing the devil. And I mean, he's just going after him, man. And he's you of uh, so and so, and uh, blah, blah. and I'm like, hey, hey, oh, hey, 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 time out. Hey, that's awesome. That's out of the old playbook. That's the devil's language. Don't use that against him. We want to speak the, We want to address the devil with the word of God not with our old ways of thinking and addressing and talking and communicating. Amen? We want to be renewed in that area of our life. And so my point is, is that we, we don't just, listen, this, this new life that God's called us to in walking in the Spirit and being a Spirit-led Christian, a Spirit-empowered Christian, is not just, a, a, just an add-on. The Holy Spirit is not an in-app purchase that we add to our, our old way of living, and I, I remember the first time I got it when I got my first smartphone. It was long before the iPhone came out. It was actually about 2002. I got a smartphone that would do everything literally that the the, the Apple that the smart iPhones and the Androids can do now, but it was much slower and bigger and clunkier, and it wasn't smooth and stuff like that. But it was very cool, and it radically transformed my life. it changed everything. I mean, instantly, everything about my life, all my contacts, my business dealings, my personal dealings, the internet access, emails, everything was right there at the palm of my hand. How many of you guys remember when you got a smartphone and it changed everything? And let me tell you, that is a very finite example of what happens when the Holy Spirit comes and takes control of our lives. Everything changes. Everything changes. In fact, all our day timers and plan, and all that stuff goes out the window because now there's something that's running our, our, our lives. And let me, let me put it to you like this. The Holy Spirit does not come to add new Christian activities to our plate. Are you with me? He comes and gives us a new plate. Are you with me? He, he brings it. Amen. He's bringing a whole new perspective to our life and to the, to the, to the, the purpose and the pattern and the path of our lives we've been called to a life of service to yield to the will of God day in and day out now there's a couple of different places in scripture where Paul talks about this in the New Testament and he uses the two phrases walking in the spirit or being spirit led synonymously in those passages and I just want to point these out to you uh, real quick before as we're moving along Romans chapter 8 Paul says this for if you are living according to the flesh you must die now that's interesting He says, if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. What is Paul saying? He's saying that there is a a, a process in our lives by which as we yield to the Holy Spirit and walk in the Spirit, all of the old ways that were according to the flesh... Our life that was lived before Christ, that was driven from our mind and our will and our emotions, our thoughts, our desires, and our feelings, all of those things must be put to death. As we learn to yield to, to this new, larger life, the life of Christ in us in the person of the Holy Spirit, as he transforms us and makes us like Christ and begins to use us in power, for his glory. And in Galatians chapter five, he's talking about the same thing. Instead of being spirit led, he uses the word walking in the spirit. Let's look at this real quick. Verse 16, Galatians chapter five, he says, but I say walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. What Paul's describing is the path or the, or the, 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 the way of God as it is contrasted with the way of our old flesh, of our old natures. And what, the, what happens is as the Spirit of God comes and He begins to take His rightful place in our life as we yield to Him, as we, as we surrender our lives to Him moment by moment, day by day, a little bit more, dying to ourselves every day, surrendering a little bit more to Him. He begins to lead us in the path of righteousness. Isn't that what David said in Psalm 23? He leads me in paths of righteousness for His glory, for His namesake. And so the Holy Spirit begins to lead us in the path of righteousness. Now, what happens is, if we're still trying to live in the path of our flesh, we find ourselves trying to straddle these two paths. And I'm walking in the flesh over here in these areas of my life, and I'm walking in the spirit over here in these areas of my life. And let me tell you, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out pretty soon I'm gonna split in half. Are you with me? It's It's not a new and improved version of the old you or you keep on this path that you've been on, and you continue to do the things you've done, and just add a little bit of Jesus, it's an entirely new life, led and empowered by the presence of Almighty God. And as we yield to, day by day to that inner working and the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit, not only do we grow in the character and likeness of Christ, but the the life that God intends for us comes rushing forth out of us in a river of life and hope and joy and peace, both in us and through us to the world around us. In the same way that I encountered God's love and was radically transformed through the life of one person who was committed to living a spirit-led and spirit-empowered life, you can amazing, uh, experience that same joy and change the lives of those around you by committing to living a naturally supernatural spirit-led life in the same way. That's the life. In fact, I got news for you. That's the life God's designed for you. So if that's not what you're experiencing now, there's another step for you. So in the time that we have left today, I wanna ask you to take out your notes on all of our campuses, pull your notes out. Uh, We we have notes for all of the messages and and, and follow along because what I wanna do, the key to this spirit-led life is your relationship to the Holy Spirit. It's how you relate to the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna give you some keys to living a a spirit-led life, four keys, all right? The first one is, the first thing I wanna talk about is we have to learn to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has a voice; He speaks to us. Pastor Steve talked about the the, the the characteristics, the divine personhood of the Holy Spirit, and that he has a personality that, there, that he relates to us he 's conversational, he speaks to us, and that we, and, and, but his voice is not something that we 're already familiar with. We have to learn to recognize his voice. I want to look at John chapter sixteen as we as we begin this first of the four points because this is the passage that, Jesus, that uh, Pastor Steve's been unpacking with us, this conversation with the disciples. But I wanna point out a couple of things to you in this passage. Look at, look at uh, John chapter 16, verses 12 to 24. I'm sorry, 12 to 14. This is what he says. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them right now. We're gonna come back to that in a minute. That's very important. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative But whatever he hears, he will speak, watch this, and he will disclose, everybody say disclose, reveal. Reveal. It's another way of saying reveal. He will disclose to you what is to come and he will glorify me for he will take care of mine and will disclose it to you. Now, what what is Jesus saying? Jesus is telling the disciples that the Holy Spirit who's coming, the helper who's coming is going to speak to you. Just as he had been speaking to them, just as Jesus had been speaking to them, the Holy Spirit would continue to communicate, but he was also implying a couple of things. One was that in their current state, they could not receive all the truth that Jesus had for them. Remember, the disciples were not born again at this point. They were born again later on. This is before Jesus was crucified. And he's saying to them, when the Spirit of God comes and he's in you, he's going to begin to reveal not just the truth that you already heard, but all the things that are in my word. Remember, Jesus is the word. The Bible says in John 1 that Jesus is the word who became flesh. And so he said, all the truth that the Holy Spirit receives from, from him, he's go- and all of the glory that he receives, he's going to reveal to you as, he, as you are able to receive it. And so there's an there, implicit in this, in this conversation Jesus is having with the disciples, the fact that the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to speak and you're gonna be able to understand what he's saying. You are going to be able to receive it. And I think sometimes this is where we get hung up. We overcomplicate the idea, the concept of hearing God the Holy Spirit in our lives. I remember the first time I ever heard the voice of God clearly. I mean, it was undeniable, it was clear, it was concise, and it was the moment I gave my heart to Christ. I remember uh, it was February 15th, 1990, I mentioned that a minute ago, I was, I was in my barracks and I cried out to God, I wanna know you, but I don't know how. Listen, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me and it was so loud, it was as though he was sitting on the bed next to me. This is what he said, simple. Son, I don't want you to try harder. I want you to give up. Now, let me tell you why that was important to me. Because all of my life, I perceived that Christianity was about do's and don'ts. All of my life, I perceived that that a relationship with God was about somehow making sure that I was doing the good things that I was supposed to be doing and not doing the things that I was not supposed to be doing. The problem for me was that I was really good at doing the things that I was not supposed to be doing. In fact, before I was saved, I heard a guy one time sharing his testimony. He said, he said, before I was saved, I used to struggle with sin. And this is what I thought. I was 15 years old. I said, struggle? He must not be doing it right. I don't struggle. In fact, I'm pretty proficient. Maybe I should be doing classes or something. I mean, I'm, this is like a skill set for me. I'm so good at not doing the right thing. And, and, and the Holy Spirit broke through the, the, the confusion and the chaos in my mind that night. And he said, quit striving, quit trying to be a Christian and just give in to me. Give up, let me do it in you. That night, the lights came on. It all made sense. And the Holy Spirit filled my heart and began to do a work, a deep work in me. And I was born again. And, and let me tell you, it's the same way for each one of us. When the Holy Spirit speaks, it's undeniable. And again, I, I think sometimes our tendency is that we make it harder than it should be. I remember taking hearing tests in the military and, and, I'm, and I'm a, you probably couldn't figure this out about me, but I'm kind of a driven, competitive person. Uh, I know, it's a shock, but, but I even like, I thought that I saw the hearing test as a competition. And so, uh, so like I wanted to max it. I don't even know if there's like a max. You either hear it or you don't. I don't know if there's like a score on a hearing test, but I mean, they would put they put you in the soundproof room and put headphones on you, and then they start putting tones, different pitches, frequencies in in your ears, and you hold the button down, and then when you couldn't hear it anymore, you let it go. Anybody take that test? Yeah, all the military guys probably took that test. So when the tone starts, you hold it down. When you let go, when you don't hear anymore, you let it go. So, so man, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do this, man. just I'm, I'm focused, you know. I'm focused. I'm listening. I'm ah, pressing the button. I'm straining to hear s- sweat. <laughs> listen, I let it go. Back button. Okay, wait. Is it? A, wait, was that something? That was. Yep. Zip. And a minute later, the guy comes and he knocks on. He opens the door and he goes, "Hey, calm down, dude. We haven't started yet." <laughs> I'm hearing things, you know, because I want to hear so bad. Hey, let me let you in on a little secret. You've got the promise of scripture that Jesus himself said, my sheep know my voice. You with me? He he promised the disciples, he's going to speak to you and you're going to understand it because you're gonna be able to receive it at that time. As you can receive it, I'm going to give it to you. I'm not trying to hold back. Are you with me? He's going to speak to you. It's not that complicated. But the problem is, for most of us, is that we make it more complicated than it is. Where it comes to it gets confusing sometimes is in discerning whether or not it really is the Holy Spirit. Now, Pastor Steve always teaches us that the most important test, the litmus test of whether or not God is speaking to you is that, number one, it must agree with the Scripture. The Holy Spirit inspired the Scripture. He's not speaking to you in a way that contradicts it. Amen? And I hear people all the time saying to me, Pastor Dave, well, God's saying to?" And I I'm immediately, whoa, 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 whoa. Can you show me that in scripture? That's the first thing that needs to go through your mind. If God's really speaking to you, number one, it's going to agree with the scripture. Number two, it's going to glorify Him. Number three, it's going to serve, be for someone else's benefit. That's just how it works. <clears throat> the other thing, though, that happens, and this is important, and I can almost always discern this in just a few minutes when somebody's telling me all that God is speaking to them what's the condition of their spirit? Are they at peace? Are they fearful? Are they, they, is is there a calmness about, is there a stillness about their soul or are they frenetic and and panicky and anxious? Let me tell you, let me tell you this. The voice of the Holy Spirit is always the voice of peace. He will not scream above the chaos of your life to be heard. He will speak to you from the voice of peace. Amen. The Holy Spirit does not speak through fear, anxiety, or frustration. I hear people say all the time, You know, out of frustration, the grace is lifted. God's moving me on. I can almost guarantee you he is not. Are you with me? He's at work at something in your life, but he's not trying to move you on. Now, why is that important? Because as we listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit, we learn to recognize that it's always the voice of peace. Well, Pastor Dave, how do I know when it's peace? The Bible actually says that we can't understand it. Philippians chapter four says that the peace of God is beyond our comprehension. You know, in the passage that we love, that says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make our request known to God that the peace of God that surpasses understanding will rule in our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Well, how do I know if I can't understand it if it's the peace of God or not? This is how I like to describe it to people. The thing about God's peace is you always know when you don't have it. You can write that down. <laughs> the thing about the, peace, the voice of peace is that you always know when you don't have it. That's what you're looking for. That, that voice of peace, that inner witness of the Holy Spirit that agrees with scripture, that agrees with wisdom, that glorifies God, and that produces peace. Even when it's corrective or instructional in nature, it brings peace to your soul. All right, number one, learn the voice of the Holy Spirit. Number two, renew your mind to keep the channel clear. Renew your mind to keep the channel clear. Paul addresses this in Romans chapter 12 uh, when he says, I urge you therefore brethren by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God which is your spiritual service of worship. Now what is Paul talking about? He's talking about the context of this is how do we approach our whole Christian life? That's the broader context. And watch what he said, this is how we do it. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. What does that mean? It means to change the way our mind is working, that we may prove what the will of God is—that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, what, I, what, Pastor Dave? Are you saying that unless my mind is renewed, that I cannot know God's will? That is exactly what I'm saying. That in your old way, now listen to me. I started out by saying this is not just an improvement on our old life. This is an entirely new life that in our old way of thinking and processing and of doing life, we cannot know the will and the mind of God. Paul says you have to, do, to renew your mind in order to be able to do that. What does that mean? That means our minds have to be renewed, changed, transformed by being in, the, informed by God's word and by his presence. The Holy Spirit, as he reveals the truth of God from his word, from the Bible, It forms in our minds, it it does away with old patterns of thinking, old ways of reacting, old ways of processing and decision making, and replaces them with the truth and the principles of scripture. And that scripture, those scriptures, as you consume and inform your heart and your mind with the truth of God's word, those scriptures, those truths and principles and precepts form a grid or a filter over your heart and over your mind that filter out the thoughts of the flesh and the thoughts of the world and the thoughts of this system. And let me tell you, let me just encourage you. I believe the greatest challenge facing believers today is not willingness or desire to walk in the spirit. It's all the other noise in our lives. It's all of the other voices. It's media and movies and videos and and, and literature and all of the stuff, that music and the things that we put into our heart, conversations with ungodly sources that are constantly informing our thought processes and our decision-making processes instead of renewing them with the pure truth of God's word so that we might know and prove what the will of God is for our lives. I just wanna encourage you, you're gonna have to be still and shut off some other noise in our lives if we're gonna begin to hear the Holy Spirit and walk with Him. I know it's hard and listen, I am not an anti-technology, anti-social media, anti, I'm not, those things are amoral. But like Pastor Steve says often about money, technology and those things are a great tool but a terrible God. Are you with me? And it's going to take some, some, some strategic and intentional decisions about where you put, receive your inputs from and the amount of time that you've spent Inputting stuff into your life to be able to hear and be still and feel and, and know what God is saying because our your mind is renewed. You're gonna to have to shut some stuff off and we're gonna to have to make some decisions about how we live. Number three, we're gonna to have to respond, learn to respond quickly when you hear the Holy Spirit speak. So we're we're learning to hear his voice and we're keeping the channels clear through through renewing our minds, but we also have to learn to to respond when the Holy Spirit speaks. Galatians chapter five, verse 25 says this. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Now, uh, it, 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 at face value, obviously, Paul is just talking about the Spirit-led life. But when he says walk by the Spirit, the word walk in the Greek is actually a, a military term, and it means to walk in formation. It, 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 the, the, the literal context is walking in, in cadence, When you walk in cadence, and of course, I was in the military, and uh, those of you who are veterans will will appreciate this. Uh, When you walk in cadence, when you walk in formation, the two things you don't ever have to worry about is your pace and your direction, because they're being dictated to you constantly. And let me tell you, the Holy Spirit, as you walk in the Spirit, Paul is saying that the walk of the Spirit-led life is a walk of cadence, of pace, of direction, and it's constant, It's constant. Remember, it's not the 15 minutes that stumbles us as Christians. It's not that carving off some quiet time at the beginning that gives us trouble. It's the other 23 hours and 45 minutes of the day that's just the starter. That's just the primer for the day. And, and as we learn to walk in the Spirit, we're learning to respond quickly to that cadence of the Holy Spirit as he's speaking to us. And you say, well, Pastor Dave, well, I mean, I mean, come on, really? I mean, you can do that. You're a pastor. All you do is read your Bible and drink coffee and float around on a cloud all the time. I mean, you know, you don't have a real job. You should follow me around for a day, okay? Number one, I'm not even gonna go there. Let me just say, let me just, let me just encourage you. The Holy Spirit knows more about your job than you do. He wants you to be productive for His glory. He wants you to be the best employee, the best employer, the best owner, the best entrepreneur, the best mom, the best dad, the best every part of who you are because of His presence in your life. And as you learn to walk in cadence with the Holy Spirit, as you learn to, it, to be sensitive to his voice and make room for him to speak and room for him to guide. Not only are you gonna become better, but he's gonna begin to use you in supernatural ways as you're led by his spirit to impact other people's life. Just, just like my, my friend at the beginning of the message, just like he impacted my life because he was walking in cadence with the Holy Spirit. He changed my life Forever. Let me tell you, as Pastor Steve's been talking, this, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit are the, for the purpose, initially in Scripture and consistently throughout the New Testament, for evangelism and service to other people. I was on a flight coming back from Seattle probably 15 years ago, and I sat down, and, uh, and let me just say, I, I, you know, if, you're, if you fly Southwest Airlines, uh, you, know, you get to sit wherever you want. And so I remember sitting down, and, uh, and I didn't know if the flight was full or not, but I was, I was trying to get a whole row. How many of you ever done that? So I sat down in the middle seat, and it started filling up. And I was like, oh, man, this is going to be tough. So I took out my Bible. Open your Bible. If that doesn't work, and it's really getting full, start praying <laughs> out loud. <laughs> I really want it. So anyway, I want to make this story short. But, but let me tell you, this, eventually, it was a full flight. So I had people sitting next to me. I was exhausted. It had been a week of ministry. We were planning a church. This girl sat by me, and she just starts unpacking. Like, not her luggage, her life. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I hope you're paying attention because I'm about to use you. And I was like, I just want a nap. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a, I know I'm a pastor, but I'm human, okay? I would like to say I'm not, I don't sin. But, uh, and that is my goal. But so far, I'm up to zero days in a row. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, it's like, probably had a bad attitude about something this morning already. But anyway... So any, long story short, she begins to unpack her life. And as I listened and I began to respond to her and just talk to her about her relationship with the Lord, I shared the gospel with her. And in, in the whole conversation about sin and her separation from God, I made this comment to her. I didn't even really notice it coming out of my mouth. But what I said to her was this. I said, even if when you were 10 years old and you stole the candy from that convenience store, if that was the only sin you ever committed, you would still be guilty of all, all the law. And she goes, "What?" How did you know that? I said, God showed me because he loves you and he wants to know you and he wants you to know him. I didn't even know there was a word of knowledge coming out at that moment, but I was willing to be obedient to the Holy Spirit quickly in that moment. When I wanted a nap, when it was inconvenient on a packed Southwest flight, God spoke. We have to be obedient quickly when he speaks. And what that does is it cultivates further sensitivity to his voice, amen? Amen. All right, God wants to use you, but your own intellect and your own giftedness is not enough to accomplish his purposes in your life. Let me wrap up with this, and I know I'm a couple minutes over. Cultivate your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Cultivate your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, the most important aspect of any relationship is conversation, and that is not, communication and conversation, that is not different with God, the most important aspect of our, listen, the Holy Spirit wants to talk with us. He wants to speak with us. He wants to have conversation with us. And listen, we, most of the time, our conversations with God are one way. We just go, God, help me. I need this and this and this. And we go through the Lord's Prayer. Okay, pa- wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Pastor Steve told me to use the Lord's Prayer. And here's the thing and I'm gonna you know, do all the stuff and I got the list and everything. And I'm praying and, and I, got a, I got a busy day, okay? I'm gonna have to go in just a minute. But here's all my stuff. And then we're gone. We'll see you tomorrow. But We don't listen. I mean, think, I, I think the Holy Spirit's going. Uh, 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 just trying to get a word in edgewise. And every once in a while, man, he'll just slam the brakes on our life to make us go. Okay, I'm listening. We have to, we have to be willing to converse with God to develop intimacy through these conversations. It takes time of solitude and meditation, of devotional life. I've, I told you guys before, for over a year, over a year, it's probably about a 15-month period of my life, every single day I wrote in my, in my journal, be still. As you have witnessed today, it is hard for me to be still. <laughs> I'm not a still person. I'm a busy person. But the Lord, in my spirit, I have learned to live and labor and, and work out of a posture of Sabbath and rest that I don't live a frantic, pressed life. Even in my busyness, I strive, I do the best I can. I'm not perfect at it, but I do the best I can do of living at rest so that my spirit is sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is saying to me because he's not going to scream over the chaos of our lives. I love David's passage, Psalm 131, verse two. And of course he went through a lot of stuff and how many of you know he had a full calendar as the king? Uh, He said, purely I've composed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child rests against his mother, my soul is like a weaned child against me. Listen, as I have learned to quiet my soul, the Holy Spirit has spoken and led. I mean, I cannot even begin to describe the level at which things have come to me that I should not have known, that it's beyond, way beyond my pay grade, both in my, in my job responsibilities, in my family, with my children. In every area of my life, the Holy Spirit has begun to reveal and speak to me as I have quieted my soul and postured myself in a place of rest, to walk in the spirit, to walk in cadence with him throughout every area and every part of my day. And uh, I, just wanna, I just wanna encourage and close you with this. Remember the guy I was talking about at the beginning that, that, that talked to me in the mail room and he, and, he, and he shared with me about my life, things that I could not have known. His name was Frank Alcorn. And uh, he didn't know and I didn't know that that day would change both of our lives forever. You see, Frank is my (laughs) father-in-law. Yeah. Frank led me to Christ and and because he was willing to live a naturally supernatural spirit-led life, because Frank was willing to stop and live at the cadence of the Holy Spirit, at the pace of God's voice in his life. And and let me tell you what happened. Not only did it change my life, it changed his life, his relationships. His daughter married me less than a year later. Our children are his grandchildren. It's changed the trajectory of both of our lives. Let me give you one further than that. If Frank had not been willing to slow down that day, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Let me ask you a question. Whose life is going to be changed because you're willing to slow down, hear God's voice, and live at that pace of a spirit led life? It's going to change yours, but it's going to change countless of lives around you. And let me tell you there are sacrifices, there's a cost to living like this, but it's worth every second because eternities hang in the balance why don't you stand with me as we close? I'm gonna. I wanna pray for you and let you go. And I wanna just encourage you as, as, we, as we close, our prayer team is here. If you wanna talk more about what this means and, and or maybe ask, or maybe get prayer or encouragement about the practicalities of it. There, our prayer team is here for you. We wanna be here to encourage you. It's worth it. Take the step. This is the life God's created you for. Father, we love you. We thank you for your presence. Give us the courage to walk with you at the pace of your voice in our lives, moment by moment, day by day, to bring you glory and to to change the lives of the people around us, to grow in our character. Thank you for your presence here today. We ask that you fill us with your peace. Keep us in your favor until we come together again. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you guys.